and welcome to the Channel V6 podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Johnson. The Channel V6 podcast covers all the unique and diverse topics that matter most to you, the Uinta Basin resident. Subscribe to listen to in-depth conversations about the local issues that affect us all. On today's show, we have uh, Dr. Carl, Carl Breitenbach and Dr. Wade Butad to uh, talk about the COVID-19 pandemic that has reached the Tri-County area. But before we jump into that, Let's talk about Jiffy's. Jiffy's is your local one-stop shop. They provide a variety of services, including but not limited to collateral loans, check cashing on payroll and tax checks, vacuum repair and guitar restringing and repair. Uh, They carry many authorized lines such as Pendleton and Willow Tree. Go see them for all your gun, ammo, jewelry, home decor, music, video game, power tools and hunting needs. Can't find that gun you've been looking for? Let them help. They have access to many distributors that uh, carry most every brand. So don't miss this opportunity for the amazing savings and deals. Jiffy's, where they buy, sell, trade, and loan. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for uh, joining us on the show and taking time out of your, what I'm assuming is pretty hectic, busy days to join us on this podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks, Brandon. So we do have... um, confirmed cases here in the tri-county area and I you know that was kind of the idea of this podcast was to kind of touch base now that there are confirmed cases here what's happening what's going on but you know one of the first questions I wanted to ask is kind of what new things do we know about the coronavirus COVID-19 since it first appeared what are the symptoms how do we avoid it how do how is it spread how long is someone infected can you get it again who's at higher risk you know those kind of questions that I think there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So I was wondering if we could just kind of address some of those key questions first off, and then we can kind of jump into the local the local aspect of it. You want to jump on that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, so Wade Butod, hospitalist and medical director. Um, so as uh, our hospital at Ashley Regional uh, Medical Center is, is really focusing a lot on this and um, there is, there's so much stuff out there. W- where do you get the information? Um, it, it's hard for me as a physician to find what we need to be doing. But essentially, everything is new. <laughs> there's there's no old data about coronavirus, and that's the hard thing. You know, every week we learn something new. And essentially, uh the biggest thing that we're looking at is what are the statistics on this virus? How deadly is it? What are the symptoms? We're starting to gather uh, a lot of information on, okay, what's the the death rate of this virus? What are the complications? We, I think we've pretty much got dialed in what the symptoms of this virus is. Um, so one of the things I kind of wanted to touch on was um, – you know, how, how deadly is it, is this? You know, that's what most people want to know about. Um, I just, you know, where you get this information, it's changing literally every hour. So what I have written here has probably already been outdated. But uh, what I found, world, case, world cases was 912,998, about 45,000 deaths. That's about a 4.9% death rate. So if you get it, supposedly there's a 4.9% chance of you dying. That's 37 times more deadly than the flu. So the U.S. total case is 186,000, about 3,600 deaths. That's a 1.9% death rate. So it really depends on where you are, uh, what the hospital situation is like, how old the people are, um, the country that you're in as to 
how deadly this thing is going to be. So, uh, and, the, and those numbers are just, they're so, um, it doesn't paint the full picture. And let me explain a little bit about that. So to calculate the death rate, you actually have to have the total number of cases and the outcomes of all those cases. So the problem with what we have right now is most of the cases in the confirmed positives that we have are from hospitals. Those are the most severe cases. They're the ones who were deemed worthy to test for this coronavirus. So the death rate as we're looking at it right now really is a little bit skewed on the high side. We don't know how, how overestimated it is, but there are for every, you know, certain number of hospitalized patients, there's going to be 5, 10, 20 uh, non-hospitalized patients who never even bothered to get tested. So, And they didn't die. And They didn't die. They didn't even think they needed to go get checked. They weren't worried about it. They just had kind of common cold symptoms. And they just kind of quarantined themselves or stayed at home and exactly. toughed it out. And- or they just went about and did everything <laughs> and spread it like crazy. You know, that's... So uh, that's the, that's one aspect of it that I think it's always changing. That's why it's a difficult thing to talk about. Also, of all those confirmed cases out there, we actually don't have – they're not resolved. So there are hundreds of people still on ventilators in the ICU that may have gotten the virus 20 days ago, and they're on the brink of death. A lot of those are going to die. And so – our death rate is skewed by we're still waiting on outcomes. So really what you need is total number of infected and total resolved cases, whether they die or they recover. So that's why the numbers are really ranging on to how dangerous this thing is. And, you know, it's anywhere from, well, here it's like 1.9% fatality rate. And in Italy is, is much higher. We're talking, you know, 5 8%. Uh, I didn't write down the numbers, but it's much higher there. And I've heard like the cultural differences also factor into that, you know, where they over there in Italy, they're kissing each other to greet, you know, and they're and just things like that, which spreads. So it spreads it different than we hear, you know, we're kind of isolated, we're more handshakes or waving high yeah. and, and stuff like that. So it kind of. Well, and they're older. It, it, the number of 60, 70, 80 year olds in Italy are much higher than in other countries like Europe is. You know, they haven't been as populating as much as, as America has, and so their population is generally older. There are more smokers there. So True. all of these things play a factor into how deadly this is. It's wild how it, how it factors, you know, according to countries and stuff like that. So what are some of the, I guess, how is it spread? What, are, what do we really need to worry about? How do we want to avoid it? You know how is it spread? Sure, I'll jump onto that. It's a it's a it's a virus uh, that is transmitted by by primarily re- respiratory route, and with that we basically talk about droplets. So when people cough or sneeze, they tend to project out the most droplets and they spray them out the furthest distance. Unfortunately, some of those droplets settle onto surfaces. Um, if they cover their mouth with their with their hand, uh, then they've got a layering of those droplets on their hand. You know, coughing into the elbows a little more uh, prevents spread a little because that way when you touch things with your hand, you don't have the spray of droplets there. Um, we 
we don't have solid data. Like Wade said, this is a novel virus, a brand new virus, but some data on other viruses would indicate that droplets um, can remain on surfaces for hours. Um, but the drier the surface is, the more exposure to ultraviolet light, sunlight, um, you know, cleaning with basic household cleaners probably t tends to kill this virus pretty readily. Um, so droplet tra transmission is the biggest way. And then, you know, dr contacting surfaces that people have sprayed droplets on, um, or obviously if you're kissing people, sharing drinks with people, um, yeah, that's that's the method that's gonna gonna spread. So, so it's not just floating out there in the air, and you walk outside, I, breathe it in. I was gonna touch on that. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I get uh, medical studies coming into my email every day, and some of the things I just read in the recent day or two is they have done air sampling outside of the rooms of some of these hospitals, and they are finding viral particles airborne. Now we don't know if you can contract contract it just by breathing in one or two particles. You, you, you have to have a certain number of virus particles in order to infect you. And different viruses have different uh, virulence is what they say. You know, it might be one particle of this virus. It might need 100,000 particles from another virus. So again, we don't know the answer to that, but uh, the virus is also shed, as Dr. Breitenbach mentioned, in the saliva. It's also sh shed in the stools. Um, and, and they're even finding it airborne in the immediate vicinity, which is why this whole six foot distance thing is, uh, is important to follow. Sorry about the social distancing. Yeah. There. <laughs> Thanks for throwing us under the bus, Brandon. <laughs> but you two together. I was like, I'm going to stay over here, but <laughs> we noticed no. <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are doctors. You're good. And I'm sorry, but no, it, it's, it's, um, can people get it again? I mean, that's another question. I, I think I've heard a lot, you know, if. If they've had it, can they get it again? Is that something that is is known yet? Do we not know? I think I can definitely answer that question. We don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do have, uh, you know, if we follow the the data from other viruses, you know, when we get a coronavirus is a part of the common cold viruses. Um, it's a, a part of a rhinovirus is another one. There, there are other ones that I, I can't remember from med school at this point, but when we get a virus, you know, it goes around in the family, um, you know, your kids get it and they bring it home and then you get it. So once you get better, your body has taken those virus particles back to your immune center and have started creating antibodies that can fight that off. And that's why you get better. There, are, So if we were to follow most viral courses, once you get it, you have built an immunity to it. Um, the fact that people are recovering means they have built an immunity to it. Uh, there's some other evidence um, in, and I believe China, uh, I can't remember where these studies came from, but they are actually taking people who have recovered from the virus, getting a, um, they're drawing their blood, their serum, and then they're giving that serum to sick hospitalized patients. And those hospitalized patients are improving much more quickly than the un uh, than the ones that did not get the serum from a recovered patient. So that is interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, I believe it's it's going to be just like any other virus. For some reason, this virus just seems to be more potent and causes a much more strong immune response 
which is why people end up in hospitals and dying. And that was one of my other questions is, you know, you hear a lot of people say, shrug it off as it's just another flu. It's just another virus. We got to treat it like the flu. And maybe there's a certain truth to that. Maybe there's a, 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 maybe that's not true to a certain extent because I've never, I didn't, I guess I did know, but didn't realize the potency of viruses, that there was a different potency for viruses. And that's maybe why this is being treated so differently. Yeah, this is definitely not another flu because only only the influenza virus is capable of causing truly the flu. So this is a this is a a coronavirus, different family, but made it's another RNA virus. It's, it's got a lot of similarities. Its ability to mutate, it's uh, but it does seem to have a a higher ability to infect. The flu generally has a, a score called a called a NRAD score of one to one. So one person gets the flu. That means that they'll transmit it to one other person. This virus seems to have an NRAD score of two to three. So one person gets this virus, they transmit it to two to three people. And because it's a novel virus, a new virus, um, none of us have really met this strain of this virus before. So nobody has immunity to this, or at least very few people. So we're all susceptible, which is why it's spreading as, as fast as it is and seems to, 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 to affect everybody. Um, the other problem with this virus is it seems to have a fair number of people that aren't very sick, um, and they're kind of the asymptomatic uh, vectors that carry this around. And I was reading a paper um, in China. They they think that up to up to eighty eighty six percent of the spread of the virus was done by these asymptomatic uh, um, carriers and people who had no clue they were sick. Right, they were just transmitting the virus without really you know, knowing. That's a big number. So it'd be wonderful if we could do mass testing, but unfortunately that has not come to fruition. And so, you know, you ask about symptoms, you watch for a symptom of fever, you watch for a symptom of cough. Um, there is in some people sore throat, there are in some people GI symptoms, but I'd say fever and cough are the main two. Okay. So let's talk about symptoms. If someone has symptoms, what protocols now, since there are cases in the basin, what protocols are being implemented locally to protect the public and to safely get them to, to a, a safe diagnosis? So I'll jump on that to start with. Um, the Tri-County Health Department is really trying to aggressively mitigate. Uh, I think I think Governor Herbert's done a really good job and I would I'd like to throw out a, 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 a website here. Um, well, not a website, but a, an a address. Uh, www.coronavirus.utah.gov has very good, reliable information. And when things change, which they do rapidly, is, uh, as Wade has said, uh, that's a good website to look at and, and learn what, what what's going on. Um, but we're basically trying to mitigate and we're also trying to um, um, also also use some suppression so mitigation is 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 things like uh, you know you know don't don't meet in, in groups larger than ten. Um, unfortunately for for the poor poor restaurants in town, you know you you know knocking out indoor dining, um, knocking out you know big crowds go, go, going to a movie theater, um, you know getting the kids out of school. Kids kids are great vectors, and so getting them away from each other is going to certainly um, mitigate the spread of this virus and uh, make it to where it at least spreads more slowly. Um, if you could isolate yourself from people enough and stay away from people that are sick, there's no reason why you should get this virus because so, it's not just floating around in the atmosphere. So is there a difference between isolation and quarantine? Is there is that a difference or is it the same? Let me, let me go back to that original question. So if you have symptoms, and I, I just want to go over a little bit more 
on those symptoms. Okay. Yes. If someone's listening, okay, what do I need to really look for? And, and Dr. Breitenbach mentioned the two most, most common symptoms. And this is coming off of the CDC website. I think that's where I'm going to as a physician and how we're developing protocols is the cdc.gov website to try and figure out what's going on. I mean, Carl and I are not experts on this because we haven't dealt with it here in the in the right. basin. So we're having to rely on people who have dealt with it. And that's where we're getting most of our information from. And anyone can go to that website and get all the information. I can say this, it's hard to find <laughs> because there's so much out there. So fevers occur in 83 to 99% of the cases, but it's not always the initial symptom. It may happen four or five days down the road. Um, cough in 59 to 82% of people. Um, fatigue in 44 to 70%. Loss of appetite in 40 to 84%. Shortness of breath in 30 to 40%. Sputum productin production in 28 to 33 percent and muscle aches in 11 to 35 percent. There's a whole bunch of other symptoms that come with this. Headache, confusion, runny nose, sore throat, coughing up blood, vomiting and diarrhea, but all those occur in less than 10 percent. So really the big question you asked, uh, if someone has symptoms, what protocols do we have implemented? Um, the answer to that depends on which group of person you fall into. If you are someone who is having problems breathing, then the protocol is you need to go to the emergency room because you may need to be hospitalized. You might be in that percentage who is having the, the really bad lung reaction. So, you know, this is not one where you try and wait it out at home if you can't breathe. You got to go to the ER. So the majority of us uh, that... Are, will be exposed and that may get this are going to have lesser symptoms. So if you um, have the milder course, you have the fever, the cough, um, the very first thing you should realize is you should not just go walk in to the emergency room because it's not an emergency um, if they're just mild symptoms. You, you really, we have been advised to not go into our doctor's office. The thing we need to do is to call our doctor's office. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Breitenbach's family doctor, uh, you know, you would call Dr. Breitenbach and say, hey, I th I'm having symptoms that are consistent with coronavirus. I'm worried about it. What should I do? And um, so doctor's offices are going to be either A, equipped to test at their office. Many offices are. I'm not sure if yours is, Carl. We're basically testing through the urgent care. So we're really trying to keep the office set aside as a safe space for caring for people that you know, have co co comorbidities or, you know, pregnant patients, newborn babies, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, our so urgent, directing towards the urgent care. Yeah. And uh, I know several other physicians in Vernal are also testing at their office. And so basically you call that clinic, say, okay, what am I going to, I, I think I need to be tested. They're going to ask you a few questions. They will say, yes, you need to be tested. And they will direct you uh, to the office, you will wait in the car, and then they will come out and swab you. Um, and that is what the majority uh, of doctor's offices are doing. We've, we've been getting more tests. That's been available. Now, if you don't have a doctor and you are concerned, um, really urgent care is, is the place to go. Uh, our, our hospital at Ashley Regional has a... Um, a phone number you can call. The The hotline is uh, 
area code 435-781-6807. You can call that hotline number and they can direct you on how to uh, get a, a test. And again, it would be pull up to the hospital. Our laboratory will come out and um, and do that. So that's that's how we want to be testing. So, okay, so just call ahead first and then they will ask you the questions and then determine the next step and they'll advise you on how to proceed next to that. Yes, this is assuming you're not in an emergent condition, that you're breathing just fine, you can feel sick and all that. But if again, I want to restate, if you're having problems breathing, you need to go to the emergency room. Okay. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out, I agree with everything Wade just said and and – you know, roughly on this disease, what's been seen in other places is, you know, of the people that get sick, 90% of them uh, don't need medical care. Of the 10% that need medical care, at least 50% of them need intensive care. You know, they, they need medical care badly. They need skills like like Dr. Dr. B. Todd has. Um, so, you know, it isn't like if you get tested and you have, you have coronavirus uh, that you're going to suddenly get some magic treatment because there is no magic treatment. The big treatment for this is supportive. Um, you know, it develops a, a bilateral pneumonia, a viral pneumonia that creates fluid in the chest and, and then makes it hard to breathe. And then you need oxygen. You need, you know, respiratory support, sometimes a ventilator. Yeah. 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 So it isn't like, oh, I've got to get tested because then I'm going to get treated. Most people don't really need to be treated. Their immune system is going to treat this. And the best place for them to be is isolated at home. So isolation is what you do when you're sick and you don't want to give it to somebody else. Quarantine is what doctors do or the health department does when you've been around somebody who's been sick. And we need to now isolate you and to prove whether you're going to get sick or not. So if I were to quarantine you, Brandon, I'd do it because you were around somebody who was a known COVID patient. And now we need to make it to where you don't go around other people until we know if you're going to get the disease or not. So say like, I have symptoms. I call, I go get the test. The test does come back positive. So it takes about uh, 24 to 48 hours for that test to come back. So you won't get it right away. That's also good information to know. Yes. So people need to know that. Yep. What happens when my test comes back positive? What what happens at that point? I'm sure I'm asked who, where I've been, who I've been in contact with, and they're contacted, and I'm sure those establishments, if I have been out, are probably contacted. I mean, what's the kind of the, what happens? Yeah, you become a person under investigation right away when you become tested. Um, and that doesn't mean you're in any criminal problem or any trouble or anything, but we simply want to know, you know, you know, are you, are you positive? If you're positive, then yeah, we need to track where you've been, who you've been exposed to. So we can then quarantine the, those individuals that have had significant exposure. Carl, is the health department doing, uh, directing all of that? Yes, that's, yeah. So the in any anybody that has a positive test, this is a, a reportable illness to the health department. And the staff down there is doing a, a very, very good job. I mean, I don't think anybody that got hired on down there thought they'd be dealing with a world pandemic yeah. this soon. But I've I've been uh, I've, I've been acting as their medical advisor, trying to give them good advice, and they're 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 running this very very well. I think they're handling it well. And we had reached out to them, and because of the localness now of it, they I'm assuming they're just swamped and couldn't make it at night. They're a little maxed out. Yeah, yeah you stepped yeah. in, so thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, so are our local hospitals prepared for? Let, let oh, me interrupt because yeah. I don't think we fully answered your previous question. Uh, so you asked, so if you got it. Yes. Okay. So generally what's going to happen is 
if you are not critically ill and you don't need to be in the ER, go to the hospital, then you um, really are asked to quarantine at home and even in your home to basically have a sick room. Um, And this is a lot of them are a lot of this is on the CDC website. So let me find that. So basically you stay home and it's going to be like a 14 day thing. Okay. Um, a lot of that's kind of the safe numbers and, uh, you should expect to be, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to have my own room. Anyone you need to avoid other family members. Um, you know, you're not to share, and this is for any sick person, especially at this time, because even getting a regular cold, people will ostracize you and they'll <laughs> they'll be really scared to be around you. And so you should exercise caution. Um, you know, kind of have your own room. Um, wash your hands a lot, making sure that if you are sick, that you get a mask, if, if you can get one, because uh, that, that prevents when you cough, the aerosolizing those droplets from going very far. It's helpful to reduce the amount of exposure you're giving to other people. Um, even even pets, you know, pets can get this. So if you gave it to a pet, <laughs> another, we're not exactly sure how much this is, but pets are getting this this disease. So, I mean, you really just have to be very careful for 14 days. Once you are out of that 14 day period, you are. Um, and, and the health department will give further guidance if you get it on like, okay, you can go do this now or you can go do that. The health department's been really great in guiding guiding those protocols. So it is possible to be quarantined in your home and not give it to everybody else if you follow protocol and you're... Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Don't yeah. let the dogs snuggle on you and then the kids go play with the dogs and stuff like that. I mean, that's... You would think that would be common sense, but it's not... It's, you know, I didn't think about the dog. You know, that's... Well, I just found out that they could get it just a couple of days ago. That's so, interesting. That's crazy. I mean, again, we don't know a lot. We don't know if people can give it to dogs and then give it back to another to a different person. We don't know. But it right, makes sense. Right now, it's so new. We need to be careful and if you're and coughing, exercise caution and petting the dog, and mm-hmm. then it runs. Yeah, that's. I mean, but yeah, you can quarantine yourself at home. Yes, have the sick room. Mm-hmm. Treat it like you should be, and not interacting with your wife and kids and whatever else, like in my case, but okay, that's good to know. I mean, that's huge information. I'm going to just quote something from a, a, a website called Up to Date. It, it, it talks about the incubation period. It says the incubation period of COVID-19 is thought to be within 14 days following exposure, with most cases occurring approximately four to five days after exposure. It says in a study of 1,099 patients with confirmed symptomatic COVID-19 the median incubation period was four days. What's it, Carl? Can you say tell us what incubation period is? Sure. Incubation period means after you've been exposed to somebody, how long does it take the virus to create an infection in you? So um, that's you know that's critical when you when, when you've been exposed. We've been typically quarantining people for two weeks, and that's the reason why. Is if they haven't gotten sick in two weeks, then they're probably not going to, based on the data we have. And so they're then kind of free to go. Um, on the other hand, if you're sick, you really aren't being quarantined. You're being isolated. You're being isolated to protect other people around you. Because this is a preventable illness if you can stay away from sick people. But the tough thing is, you know, we have to identify the sick people, get them to isolate, 
um, get them to cover their their mouths appropriately, like you said, with a mask or with you know tissue and and not 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 share drinks and food. And you need to disinfect surfaces that are commonly touched in your house, like light switches and door handles. And as Wade said, having a sick room where they stay and you simply deliver some food to the door is the best. So, and there's different protocols um, out there. For example, for, say, just a regular person in the community versus a healthcare worker, there are different tests. You know, there's a there's a testing protocol, and uh, I have to look at the chart because they're, they're so nuanced. Like, all right, if you're a healthcare worker and, uh, you know, you need to be at least seven days symptom-free. Uh, <laughs> there's a copy. <laughs> there's a huge chart right there. So, um, you know, and then there's people who aren't being tested, you have to have a certain number of days symptom-free before you can be released. And and the great thing about this, you don't have to know all the protocol. The health department, once you, if you come up as a person under investigation, so someone who's had a test, but they don't know if you if it's positive or negative yet, or if you have confirmed COVID-19, then, um, then the health department, Tri-County Health Department, is going to walk you through all of those steps. And, you know, you and the health department will be really good friends at that point. <laughs> Get to know them real well. Yeah. And be a, a number that they're watching. So social distancing, we hear a lot of this, that 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 phrase social distancing. And that plays, in your opinions, and I guess not even opinions, but factually, that plays a huge, that factor is huge into the outcome of this. I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I I certainly agree. I you know everything that the government is has been recommending. I but right now, if we assume that this is a very deadly virus, and it is, um, then all of these things are very appropriate. I can tell you this, and I don't know if it's the luck of the draw, but for the past couple of weeks, yeah, you know, I'm hardly getting any sick sick people in the hospital. Um. It's been very slow for me because everyone's covering their cough. No one's going out. And so I'm not getting uh, a ton of pneumonias or other lung-related issues. It's just this is working. And we're just not getting a lot of sick respiratory issues in the hospital right now. So if we continue to socially distance ourselves from our neighbors and friends for uh, for a bit, that's going to affect the 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 rush or the influx of sick people into the hospital, not just for COVID nineteen, but for like you said, just for yeah, it's already working. <laughs> it's already working. Yeah, it's it's working. So on a scale of one to ten, how do you think we're doing in the basin on social distancing? What do you think, Carl? I'm 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 really pretty proud of people. I would I would probably give them at least least a six or seven. I mean, not everybody's doing a great job, but most people are. I I wrote this, you know, as I was going through these questions and trying to think about it, I said exactly the same thing, six to seven. You know, what are some things that I'm seeing? You know, I'm doing my best. I have a newborn baby at home, so I'm trying to really be very, very careful. So uh, what do I see? Um, mainly people going to stores. It's recommended that if you go to a store, don't bring your whole family in with you. That's totally my pet peeve. Don't, <laughs> don't you know, take your family to the grocery you know, I'm store. I'm <laughs> seeing couples going into the store, and that's just doubling That's doubling the amount of people and, and that doesn't need to be there. Only one person needs to go to the store. Um, for the most part, that's that's the only thing. I think we're doing a great job. I think what we're doing is working. And the nice thing about it is the 
this just recently hit Utah. We're one of the later states, and we're relatively rural, especially out here in, in Uinta County. We are very rural. So we're not jam-packed together. We don't ride subways to get, you know, if you look at New York, it's almost, it's so difficult to socially isolate. You're in an apartment. Yeah. People are going stir crazy and, um, you know, just walking out of your apartment, you're going to pass multiple people in the stairway or on the elevator. We don't have to worry about that. And so the nice thing is um, our our governor and um, our country was able to really shut things down before it could really grab hold here. So we're not seeing that huge spread at, at this point. We will see more spread, but I think if we can continue to do what we do, improve on our social distancing, that we will you know, curb this significantly and we won't see as much. I, I just don't think, I'm hoping that we won't have that New York City response or the, the China or the Italy type response. Just because we're not sardined together. So. Exactly. So it can get worse, but if we can improve our social distancing, then we're not going to see that that spike or that, that trend, to, that blooming effect. That is what we're shooting for. Yeah, it really is. Because the other option, and you hear people say this, is why don't we just let this get over with? Why don't we all just not socially distance and go out and let this spread around? <laughs> And the answer is because this virus, this virus is a lot more uh, capable of making people people sick. And they're they're people you love. I mean, they're your they're your grandparents. They're the person who has the premature baby that has bronchopulmonary dysplasia, and the people with asthma, the people with diabetes. I mean, so you would certainly make Dr. Butad's job and my job much much worse if you didn't socially distance and you just all got sick because you'd max out our local healthcare system. You'd max out our state healthcare system as we're seeing in other areas. And if you don't do that, I think we can take really good care of you and we can decrease the mortality rate. Um, so we only have a certain number of ventilators um, yeah. in our county. Well, in, in Vernal itself. And that number is if we are really stretching and turning non-ventilators to a ventilator mode, which we never do, we have nine or ten. And so it, if it hits, if it really hits hard, and I, I really hope that we, that I don't see that sit scenario where we're using all ten ventilators. That would be very, very difficult. And that's the point where you you have to start rationing healthcare. Like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, obviously we can – well, hopefully we can send out to Salt Lake City, but they're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah, if if we if we're not careful, which is what you saw kind of in Italy and all these places where they were kind of walking down the hallways at the hospitals, being like, "Well, you're kind of <laughs> you're I'm, older, you've had your life, yeah, uh, or this is a new father." Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. a really difficult ethical situation. And unfortunately, when it comes to that, um, some really hard decisions are made and, and people die f because of that. And social distancing plays a factor in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So as healthcare providers and being in the industry, what are some of your, I guess, concerns and frustrations that you're seeing like or needs? Kind of what are you, what are some of your concerns and frustrations right now, if you have any? I got to be. I've got to be really honest. I mean, I've got a. I've got a wife and daughter that want me to retire 
last week, you know, <laughs> what do you, what are you doing this for? You know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a little older. Uh, I do, uh, I do have type two diabetes. I had heart surgery two, two years ago. You know, it's not like I'm invincible. I, I think I proved that I wasn't invincible a couple of years ago. So, um, so I, I am concerned for myself, for my family, for my patients. Um, I've been here 33 years. I've got a lot of people I can think of that will not do well with this virus. And so that's, that, that's my big worry. Um, I'm pretty happy with the community response to it. Uh, people are taking this seriously. Tri-County Health Department is taking it seriously. I've been happy with how the governor has been handling it. Um, you know, did anybody expect to see a pandemic? No. If I told my patients the other day on a quick video on Facebook, I said, I'm sorry I was wrong because I've been telling people for years, you need to get your flu shot because the next world pandemic will be influenza, which is what I would have guessed. <laughs> that, that'd be your guess, wouldn't it, Wade? It would be influenza, yeah. <laughs> not this damn coronavirus. <laughs> so, so. Uh, yeah. I think my biggest concern, um, yeah, I mean, kind of same same is I have a five week old baby and um, <laughs> my poor wife hasn't really left the house and I mean, she'll walk the neighborhood, but she hasn't been anywhere and she's been pretty cooped up for five weeks. We can't bring our baby anywhere. I mean, this is, there are babies that are dying from this. It's not like only the elderly. Yeah. Um, so young people are dying too. And, um, my that's my big concern is if I get it. I mean, there are doctors. There's like a forty year old. I'm I'm forty this year. There are forty year old doctors who have died, and that's really scary. And that's not something I would ever worry about with influenza because most influenzas are pretty mild, and and most influenza that really hurt people are. And kill people are the very elderly with a lot of chronic medical problems. Um, so the other thing that I have seen is, in some cases, the blatant disregard for all of this. Like, oh, this is not a big deal. And there are sick people who have COVID nineteen who are just kind of super spreaders, and they're and and they're not they're not following the recommendations. They're not doing those things that. And they're potentially spreading this to a lot of people because they don't care. They they they're not thinking. That's and scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's it's really frustrating. I did. I think I've noticed myself um, before we had a confirmed case, even though we were kind of told to you know socially distance ourselves. You could go by a park and whatnot, and you'd see a lot of people still at the parks playing and kind of a little frustrating. And then the second it seemed like we had a confirmed case, it was like, <laughs> like this is real, like ghost town style. Yeah, like yeah, you can, yeah. the tumbleweed rolling down the, you know, the street and you're just like, wow, it's gotten crazy. Like it's, but it's real yeah, and it's here. Just, just some other stats. I mean, basically this seems to be occurring at a rate of about 5% in the population as I've done the math, healthcare workers, it occurs at a rate of about 8%. So that's obviously because we're more exposed, you know, and and healthcare workers are a limited commodity out here. There's not a lot of doctors, there's not a lot of nurses, and so yeah, we need to be need to be careful. Um, personal protective equipment is only so effective, you know, and we're only so so good at putting it on and taking it off without exposing our, ourselves. You know, we're we're not we're not exceptional human beings. We're just 
we're just educated in the area that we're educated in. So, and more used to, I guess, having that PPE because of yeah your because, because your job. We use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to think about it though. Um, when let's say we have multiple, I mean, we've had I've had patients in the hospital. None of them of my patients have tested positive, but they are under investigation. I'm saying, okay, this person's showing the signs and symptoms we need to test. During that testing, they are placed in a respiratory isolation room. They, in order to go in to see them, I have to put a gown on. Um, I'm putting goggles on. I'm putting gloves on. Um, I'm putting a little hat thing on. I, I put a like a N95 respirator mask on just to go say, hi, my name is Dr. Butod. Why are you here? <laughs> okay. And in that... So, and the nurses really who have to go in and administer meds, they're really having to go in multiple times and it gets tiring mm -hmm. putting on and off all of these things. It gets tiring and a tired nurse or a doctor may slip up and rub their eye that might have, you know, coronavirus mm -hmm. on it. And so it's, it's a difficult thing where we're regular humans and the personal protective equipment that we wear is is only as good as we can use it, and it's still not 100%. You know, I think one of the beautiful things about living in the basin is the unified family feeling we have in the basin. We kind of really tend to take care of each other. We really kind of tend to watch out for each other. I've seen multiple social media sites pop up where people will notify each other of, hey, this place has flour, this place has rice. If you're elderly and need someone to drop off groceries, my 17-year-old my son's out doing it for free. Like, it's a beautiful thing, I think, the Basin thing. So how can we, the Unified Basin family, help you healthcare providers? What do you need from us? Well, my big answer is just don't spread this virus. You know, take this seriously. And, uh, you know, until, and, and until we get a, vac a vaccine that's effective, uh, we need to we need to really really respect this virus dramatically, and so we need to follow follow the recommendations of the of the Utah State Health Department and the CDC, which is where, where they're getting their recommendations from. And even if you are sick and um, and you get tested and you're negative, that doesn't mean that you're willy nilly. Let me go. Let me go out to Walmart and you know because if if you get the, just the burden um, to the community one sick person that starts infecting other people, and I'm talking about any illness, um, because of the coronavirus and, and, and all the concerns, it puts a huge burden that normally wouldn't be there. Normally we would say, oh, that's just a common cold, go home. Um, whereas now we're like, oh my gosh, we have to isolate. If a doctor gets sick, uh, you know, comes down with a cold or fever, now all of a sudden I have to isolate. I can't go into work, yeah. and I'm the only hospitalist um, that lives in in Uinta County. Uh, all the other ones are driving in from Logan, uh, Price, and um, uh, Summit County, and and they are taking. You know, so if a doctor gets sick from that, gosh, that's a big impact. Yeah, we we can't come in, and and then. You know, we're short-staffed, and that's that's a concern. Um, I think, again, you went to county and, and the basin. If we just continue to diligently follow what's recommended by people smarter than all of us uh, <laughs> with regards to coronavirus, then 
then we'll, we'll be okay. That's awesome. So what resources would you recommend for us to, to um, stay educated? You, you brought up the coronavirus.utah.gov mm-hmm. and that's a great resource. CDC website. CDC.gov and uh, the current, you know, you could spend hours on there reading about all the guidelines and recommendations. So um, are, are you all needing masks? I've seen a lot of like um, on social media, people making masks to get help prolong the masks that you have, like just covers, you know, I've seen some of that. Is that something that you all need? I mean, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I really, really appreciate their thoughtfulness and their making masks. Um, you know, I, I hope that during caring for, for COVID-19 patients that I, I get to wear N95 masks because I know they work the best. Is that the one with the filter in it or the what's N95 it just talks about what, to what, what particle size that, that it filters and N95 masks are able to filter out most viruses. I don't know that we know if it filters out COVID-19 or not. Well, I certainly hope so. I <laughs> hope so too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I saw a study from Stanford University the other day talking about what comes closest to, you know, what fabric comes closest to, 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 to uh, you know, N95 masks. And they said, well, vacuum bags. You know, that kind of makes sense because vacuum bags have to be able to trap extremely, you know, fine particle size. But, but you start going up from there and, you know, cotton and rayon and nylon and things aren't, aren't going to do as well. Could you use them to cover your N95? Sure. You know, I, I think you could make it to where droplets didn't directly hit your N95. And so, you know, I'm, I, I, I may wear a mask o- over, over my mask. You know, I'm definitely going to wear eye protection and I'm probably going to wear glasses that I can take off and wash, you know, although the hospital probably has face shields and various things, uh, you know, on, but I, I don't know how effective all these homemade masks that people are making will really be. And I certainly, you know, don't want to say, Oh, don't make them, you know, <laughs> they want to do something they want to help, but they've got to fit pretty tightly. They've got, they've got to filter very, very highly. Otherwise it's what I call window dressing. And I don't think that's an original term for me. You know, we're just putting on a mask, but it isn't really doing anything. It's kind of like, putting on your bathrobe and saying, okay, I'm going to go expose myself to radiation. You know, (laughs) your bathrobe isn't going to stop that radiation. (laughs) So So the big deal uh, with personal protection is being seen in places like New York where their hospitals are literally running out of N95 masks. They're running out of regular surgical masks, you know, one that you would just kind of put over your ears and um, they're running out. And that's where coronavirus is is most prevalent. That's where it is. It's hitting hard, yeah. And and what we're doing is we are preparing. The problem with them is they weren't prepared, and they've had to play catch up as they've gone along. And some of the things, you know, these masks that the community is making, I think it's incredible. And we are preparing, hopefully, for nothing. But if the coronavirus does come here and we start having shortages, then those masks will be vital. And so, um, it, and the purpose of those masks for healthcare workers is going to be to prolong how effective your N95 mask is. So we want to keep those clean, um, keep them, as a doctor, I, I will use the same mask for several days which is new guidance that's come out and having something to wear over that in between patients is, is helpful. 
That's awesome. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Is there any other information you would like to share or any other points of topic that you want to touch on before we kind of wrap this up or someone, I mean, there's yeah, so much. Yeah. Someone, um, so someone said, and one of your questions that you said earlier, some people are saying this is just another flu. Okay. In 1918, the Spanish flu came and killed 50 million people. That was just another flu. Now, I hope that coronavirus isn't going to be like that flu, but it could be. And so, you know, what I'm saying, what I would like to share with people is don't panic. We're just going to do the very best we can and whatever comes, comes. But let's, let's, use the the guidance from those specialists and and just try and weather this storm the best we can. Yeah, this also isn't politics. I'm so sick of how divided the country is with <laughs> politics and this virus is not democratic. This virus is not republican. This is just a dang virus <laughs> and uh, you know it's 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 going to affect people equally and it's it's going to kill somebody you love if you don't stop it. And it is stoppable. Um, we are the vectors. I mean, this virus can't live on a rock or a log or the drywall in your house. And, and uh, so if we can quit spreading it, we can, we can get rid of it. And then eventually we can vaccinate our way from it. This also, I'm going to throw my plug out there. It might be a really good time to second guess your vaping and your smoking, because let me tell you that damages your lungs and this, this virus attacks your lungs. And so, you know, not, not smart to be damaging your lungs already and then rolling the dice. And I wonder if I'll be one of the people that gets really sick. My answer is you probably will be. So great time to quit smoking if you haven't done that already. Great information. Um, Dr. Buton, Dr. Breitenbach, thank you so, so much for being in the industry that you are, especially during these times. Thank you for, you know, sacrificing your personal time to come down and address these situation in this topic. Um, thank you for listening to the channel V6 podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at channelv6.com. Thank you again. Thanks. Thanks.